Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We're continuing our sermon series called Focus, and we're looking at some case studies in the Bible. We're looking at uh, not the seven deadly sins. We didn't have enough time for that, so we're going to look at six. And today we're looking at envy. So when I say envy, how many of you are thinking in your mind, this is something I really, this is my thing, this is, this is my struggle? Probably not a lot. So that's why I have to convince you that this is, is what you, you have envy and how deep it is. And so I'll just jump right into it. We're looking at the people of Israel. It's in the, the, in the book of Numbers, and they're recounting that the people have left Egypt. Remember, they went there with, um, uh, Joseph was there, and then they went there, and they lived there for 400 years, and they start to thrive, and there's a new ruler, and they make them slaves, and now it kind of, the, the situation starts to go downhill. It's not a good situation. And so it's, it's not ideal, and they start to oppress them. They make them slaves. They make them do all their work, this amazing architecture, but they're the ones who have to do that. They actually start to kill their children because they get to be too many of them. That's right when Moses is there. And they said, we're going to kill all the baby boys because we're kind of worried um, that they might take over. You know, this is like the theme in a bunch of movies that happen that they're worried the people they're oppressing are now going to rise up. So they kind of try and beat them down. That's the idea. And they, they make their way uh, through amazing miracles. Like the Red Sea happens. They get all the way across. And then while they're there, they don't have any food. And so God provides food. And what does he provide for them? manna, and that's it at this point. So we do not have quail yet. So it's not manna and quail at once. They didn't get like all, you know, the two-course meal out of the, the gate. They just get manna. And he sends them manna, and it's this weird looking, uh, it says it looks like a coriander seed because that clears things up. I don't know. <laughs> it looks like resin because that clears things up, you know. Like, so it's, it's kind of like this weird, cleary, white, dusty thing apparently. And so they could gather this up. It had a sweet taste to it, and they could make cakes with it and all these things. So they, they're super excited. They hadn't eaten in a while, and they start eating the manna up. And then, you know, it's day two, and then day three, and then, like, day four, and five, six, and, hey, Mom, what's for dinner? Hey, what are we having tonight? You know, the same thing again and again. So this is what happens. This is Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. And the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. No cost. It was like a sandals resort. Go scuba diving and we had fish to eat. This is how bad their situation is. They're dreaming of cucumbers. When is the last time that happened to you? Or melons. I've never dreamed about a melon in my whole life. Or leeks or onions or garlic. But back then in Egypt, everything was great. We'd go scuba diving. People served us. It was, it was so great. And, but now... We have lost our appetite. We're going to come back to that. And we never see anything but this manna. Is, does this seem unbelievable to you? Like they, previously, I mean, I don't know why they forgot this, but just previously they were killing their children, beating them, oppressing them, and making them slave labor. And all they can think about is like, oh, but remember, we had fish to eat. It was free. We didn't even pay for it. They didn't pay us, but, you know, we didn't even have to pay for it. It was so ideal you know, so quickly, and it brought up a question, and I can't think of a better way to phrase this. I only asked this question once ever while I'm preaching to you um, after seeing a situation like this. And I can't think of a better way to phrase it, but here, here it is, and there's no kids here. They're at Rock Kids. Why do people suck? I, really, I mean, I, I'll never say it again, and I know that's probably pushing it too far, but that's the best way to phrase it. Why, how is it that they just saw the miracles of God They just saw things unbelievable. They would all be dead. They're not being beaten, and they they have freedom, and God is leading them to the promised land, and and then they pull this. 
Like how? The question is, is it an environmental thing? Or is this something that's like built into you? Biblically, I mean, if you look at centuries of biblical study, I mean, biblically, this is something that's built right into us. Every single one of us is poisoned, and it's a poison that's going to, by sin, and every single one of us is absolutely going to die by it. And so what we're trying to figure out is what are some of the symptoms? When's the last time you took poison? <laughs> I can think of it. Melons, actually. I think those are poison. Secretly, so the muskmelon. So the, um, so the last time you took poison, if you've had food poisoning, were there symptoms involved or you, did you just die? You know, usually there's symptoms involved. The only time I can think of a situation where someone took poison and there was absolutely no symptoms is in The Princess Bride. When he drinks the cup and he's laughing and then he just falls over dead, that is usually not the case. I mean, he doesn't indicate any kind of upset stomach. He doesn't, it, you know, like you would have other things, right? You get a fever. You know, there's things before you die. And the, the, the way that sin shows itself in our life are really the symptoms of something that's way deep in our core. And there's a sickness, there's a poison that's going to kill every single one of us. And the way that it shows itself is in envy. And the, the best way to do this, as we look at this, I, I, and I said that, I don't think most of us are thinking like, yeah, envy is something I really struggle with. But I think if you just back off and say, what is envy at its simplest? What is it at its simplest? Envy is a poison that infects us, and its symptom is we cannot enjoy what's in front of us. We cannot enjoy what God has put just before us right here. And what we do instead is we start finding the flaws in things. And I think most of us are wired, I think, to find flaws in things. Has this ever happened to you? It happens all the time. So, I mean, you can think of big, big picture things, real simple things. Um, I'll give you an example of my watch. The watch has come up now three times, and, and I'm going to have a new watch someday. So I'm not getting the $7,200 Avenger watch. That's not going to happen. Um, I'm still leaving that out there. I have a long pause in case someone wants to give me that watch. You know, that's a, you know I'd accept it. I would accept that gift. But so I've got my watch. This is the watch I actually dreamed about. It's a Suntil Core. I dreamed about it for like a, a year, and I was always looking. I went to the REI garage sale, and I found this watch for $80 instead of $300, which is really a great price. And um, the reason why I want it now is it scratches. The black is scratching off a little bit, which that's a big deal, right? You can't tell time with a scratch watch. It's really difficult. It's not the glass, actually. It's just the black part. And then the compass doesn't work which is very difficult because how many times in the last year has that come up? Like 50? You're like, I can't find the dog. I'm like, well, if I, my compass doesn't work. You know, like this does not, I've never used it my whole entire life because I don't know if you guys know this. It's the year 2017 and we have GPS. When is the last time anyone has used a compass unless they're taking a course for the military? Is anyone, like, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I, it says, like, NS. And, you know, like, why do I even need this? I've got a GPS that tells me where to go. So anyway, so in other words, it scratches and it has a useless feature that doesn't work. And now I'm thinking, I'm dreaming about a different one. So the same thing happens with just about anything you have. Amy and I were skiing uh, just yesterday. So instead of looking at the blessings of skiing, she saw that my ski boots had a little switch so it's easier to walk in. Now, at what point are ski boots easy to walk in? Has anyone ever walked in these? And everyone, it's not like when you flip the switch, they feel like, you know, like rock ports, and you're like, wow, this is really nice. No, at this point, it's just more uncomfortable. It's just slightly less uncomfortable. That was a $100 feature, and I remember when we got these boots, she's like, wow, do I really need that? I'm like, you don't need that. I didn't tell her I had it, but I, mean, I said, you don't, you don't need that feature, right? So right in front of you, you start seeing the flaws in things, and with stuff, it's probably not a big deal, right? I mean, you, and you start looking around here, how difficult is it to find the flaws in what we have going on here at church? I mean, just physically, it's not, 
I mean, <laughs> like, look at this. We got like a stage thing going on and like we had to cover it with things because, I mean, I, there's better situations, right? Or it can feel too cold. And they made sure we're going to be in here this summer when there's no air conditioning. Did you know that? I'm just setting you up for this. this that was, that's the end of the sermon. So you've got to be content. So we have no AC this summer, and I'm setting all these things up so that you can appreciate when it's better. In my old church, the speaker's blue early on. The speaker's blue. They look very similar to that. And the guy came in, the sound guy. He's like, do you, have, you know you have no highs or no lows, right? I'm like, I had no idea. So we have no high frequency, no low frequency. So all it sounds is like as bad as possible. And he goes, hey, you know, I could fix those before you put in the new sound system. I'm like, no way. There's no way. I, I wanted this to sound as terrible as possible so that when we got the new one, and we did, people are like, wow, sound system's awesome. I'm like, it is awesome, right? So, I mean, we find the flaws in things, but what happens, like, in your job? You find the flaws in your job, right? You, 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 this job would be really great if it had a little bit better 401k benefits or if I didn't have to, you know, do this job. Then I would really love what I do. And it gets, I think, dangerous when we start seeing the flaws is when it rolls into people. And you think, I'd be really happy if, and in the dating world, this becomes the most clear, right? And when you, you know, all the single people here, I know your expectations seem really normal and, and reasonable, right? If you're single, you're thinking, all I want is like a, a wife that is like an astronaut and a stay-at-home astronaut, of course, I mean, because she's got to cook and then take care of the kids and then part-time model, not full-time, that'd take too much work because uh, I need her home to take care of things. I mean, like your own expectations are probably normal, right? And do you ever see someone who, uh, when they start to date and they talk to you about the flaws of the other person, they seem like the most ridiculous things ever? Like your friend comes and he's like 450 pounds. He's like, yeah, she's about seven pounds overweight. You're like, I, you need a compass, <laughs> right? 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 You know, there's, there's so many things. Like, they, you know, like she likes country music or like her, she doesn't like Star Trek or, you know, whatever it is, you can always find something. And there's a reason why we find these flaws, and that's a deep symptom inside. I'm going to show you how far this goes. Uh, think back in the Garden of Eden. and the, There's no better place to live than the Garden of Eden. No better, this, is, this is my random picture of the Garden of Eden. And, and so there's no better place to live in the Garden of Eden, and it's beautiful, and there's no sin, and everything's wonderful, and they don't have to work for their food. I mean, this, this sounds perfectly ideal. You don't even have to wear clothes. That's how great it is. And you're in the Garden of Eden, and the, the devil comes, and what does the devil convince them of? That it's really not that great. I mean, when God says you can't eat that tree over there to show your love for me, that's probably the best tree in the garden, right? And that's what they're convinced of. And, and can you imagine how that kind of overtook their thoughts? Has that ever happened to you? Like you see something that you don't have. It's like a simple feature, and you just think, wow, if I just had that, then I would be happy because envy at its core is if I have something back there, I would be happy. If I had something out there, I would be happy. If I just had a different situation, then I could be happy rather than the situation I have now. So just think how powerful this is. They're in the most perfect place on the whole planet. There's no sin. There's no trouble. There's no want. There's no anything. And here they are, and the devil says, that tree looks pretty good. And they go, that does look good. What would be the ultimate joke for the fruit on the garden? Right? What would be the ultimate trick? A red delicious apple. I would, that would be the ultimate, I think, because they would take a bite of it. And they're like, oh, it tastes terrible, and we have sin in our life. This is a trick. So, I mean, I don't know if God, I think God did do that. So if you ever ask, no way, no, 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 no. There was no way there was a red delicious apple in the Garden of Eden. That's through years and years and decades and decades of sin that you got to that. So they eat this fruit, though, right? And the, 
what, what the Bible is telling us is this, um, it's not just a symptom. You know, it's not just something mild that, that we deal with. Uh, I just came back from Milwaukee and whatever day it was, what day did it get? Wednesday. Just got back from Milwaukee on Wednesday and I, I'm complaining to my wife. I'm like, I've got a headache. I don't know what's going on. And I'm frustrated. I don't usually get headaches. You know why I had a headache? Because I, I didn't have an op- afternoon cup of coffee. I'm so addicted to caffeine that, that then I had, and it was too late, so this is the ultimate dilemma as a human being. If I, if I have anything after four, I can't actually fall asleep, so I'm stuck here, and I didn't know what to do, and so I had some chocolate. That was the solution, and then my headache actually left just like that. So is the symptoms that we, that we suffer, our envious heart, our one that finds flaws in everything, that finds flaws in people, and it finds flaws in the stuff that we have, is that, is that like um, driving without your sunglasses on and so you get a headache, or uh, we're not having caffeine? Is it like that, or is it... Is it something deeper like a brain tumor? Biblically speaking, this is, I mean, just get your, if you want to understand people, and the answer to our question I'm not going to repeat, if you want to understand people, you want to understand your own heart, you want to understand society, you have to recognize it's not just like driving without sunglasses. It goes way, way deeper. It goes way, way deeper, and it's a tumor. So if it, literally, if God put you right today with yourself in the Garden of Eden, you'd find flaws. That's how infected your heart is. You would find flaws with perfection around you. If we went to heaven right now in our sinful state, we would find problems with heaven. Like, do you think you'd turn the angels down? It's a little loud. You know what I mean? We, we would find something. And so now you put us in a sinful world with people all around, are we going to find problems? What, what is the root cause of this? And I think that's what we have to identify. What is the root cause of this? Because I think we all know we have a heart that churns and desires and wants more. What's the root cause of it? And I would, if I would say one thing, I would say that we don't trust God. And there's a thought that says if we have a little bit more, God, what did the people say? They're wailing. I mean, literally, the translation is really a lousy one because do you remember what it said? It said, um, uh, we're, we're losing our appetite. And so they, their experiences, they have this man, and we're like, ah, yeah, I just can't anymore. Like, um, I, I climbed Mount Rainier, and I, I, I've told you this before, but I had vanilla bean goo. Has anyone ever had that? The, the way that they make that is they take muskmelons and red delicious apples, and out comes this vanilla bean goo. And so I'm eating, I read that I have to have this energy every hour. So I, I bought 20 of them, because it's like a 24-hour trip. You know? So I'm like, I'm ready to go. So I bought a whole case of uh, this vanilla goo, and I had, I had one the first hour, like, it's, you know, I'm like, okay, I got energy, and I'm churning up the hill, and an hour later, I have the alarm go off, because I'm not going to fail, you know, I, and then, after, like, third hour comes, and I'm just like, I just can't do it, I cannot do it, like, my stomach starts to turn, I cannot even think about vanilla goo right now, I could, I, so I came back with 18 vanilla goos in my thing, because I could not eat them, like, you get to a point where you can't even think about it, that's really not what happened here, that's not what happened here. The better translation, literally, this is what it says. Our nephish, our soul is dried up. God, you keep giving us this manna. If we're going to just live off the stuff you provide, our soul is going to dry up. We have to supplement it some way. We've got to add something to it. We've got to do something so that we can actually find some satisfaction in the world because, God, you're not going to do it. And I think all the way around, what is the root cause of our envy, finding flaws with everything? It's, God, what you give us isn't enough. I don't trust that I can be satisfied with just you. Not the first time it, it's happened in history. It's really not the first time in history. How many, 
people, when you tell them, I mean, just think about this. You have a good friend, and you just say, here's the gospel message that in, in spite of your sin, uh, and not because of who you are, but in spite of who you are, Jesus comes to this world. And Jesus died on a cross, and he takes away your sins. And they look at you and go, but then that's not enough. You know, that's too easy. It happens again and again and again, this idea that we just need a little bit, a little bit more. What is the cure? What's the cure? I mean, the sermon would be pointless if we have no cure, right? The, the cure is you, you have to somehow look past that. It's not the first time in history that people have done this. Remember John chapter 6? There's an instance where they came to Jesus and they said, they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What, what will you do? And then they give an example. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Give this stuff that will satisfy us so we're not always trying to find all this other stuff. So our life is not so gray and that we just find faults in everything. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. It sounds so beautiful, and it sounds like, ah, oh, and then Jesus explained it, right? And then they, they said, oh, it's like my life is dreary because I'm not finding satisfaction in Jesus. And that, did the light bulb go on for the people in John 6? Did they say, Jesus, we will follow you wherever you go? Verse 41 says they despised him. How many times when Jesus says, here's the answer, they despised him? You can think like when he goes to the, the, the trial, right? And the soldiers get around him and, they, and he says, I'm the son of God. And they go, uh-huh. And they beat him and they despise him, it says. They loathe him. Just as the people loathe the manna, they finally have the true bread in heaven and they despised him. And to, what is the cure? The cure is this. Envy is looking past the good to see the bad, to despise it. The cure to envy, I think, is to see the opposite of what Jesus does. He looks past the bad to see the good. Isn't that the gospel? And when you think about your own heart, I mean, you think of all the flaws you see in other people and how you're so critical of other people and the things that God has laid you, that you say, God, there's only happiness out here. God already knows that about you. God already knows you're dissatisfied. God already knows you have trouble finding joy in things. There's a reason why, I mean, there's people, we're, we're wired like this. There's, you can never be happy with the thing you buy. You can never be happy with the person you're dating. You can, you, you, God has put you with someone who's given you a wonderful spouse and you say, well, yeah, if this, this, and this. You can never be happy with the rung of ladder you're on in your life because just, there's just dissatisfaction. There's a grayness to it. There, you can never be happy with the house you have the looking in the mirror, you can't be happy. There's always something. You've got to look past that and you've got to see Jesus because Jesus is the only thing that's going to fill you up. The one who, even though we're despisers, was despised. Even though he, we reject him, he looked past that and accepted us. What's the takeaway here? Let me ask you this. And you say maybe envy isn't your deal and, and fault finding is not your deal. Um, I think this would be a good test. I think this would be a good test. Um, of all the people you know, 
Are you the easiest person to fail in front of? Of all the people you know, if you had a friend that they made a mistake, would you be the one that you're like, oh, thank goodness it was just you? Because you're so kind, you're so affirming, you're so accepting. You're so welcoming when I make a mistake or I say something wrong or I do something silly or I overeat or I do all these mistakes. Of all your friends, are you the one that people would want to fail? Are you the easiest person to fail in front of? If not, I think you struggle with envy. If not, I think you probably struggle just like I do with seeing the faults in things. Jesus has come not just to make us accepting and appreciating of people, but I think that's a good example when you're ready to make a critical mark, when you're ready, and, and there's a time to change and fix things, but when you're ready to, to push someone away and to make fun of someone and to find all their faults, and, and you've got to think of Jesus who looked at you just like that and said, I know you're going to fail in front of me, but I love you anyway. And, and every day you say, God, today is the day I'm not going to fall into that sin, but you do it anyway, and Jesus says, come, come near to me. Come by me. I want you near me and I forgive you.